to Mad the Devil's Ball, a podcast where we talk about horror films in a positive and constructive manner. I'm Samuel Newman, and with me as always is my co-host and founder of The Feast, Nathaniel Johnson. How you doing today, man? Doing well. Yeah. Doing well. Yep. Crazy weekend at work, but I'm doing uh, I'm doing good. Right. They call you the working man. That's what you am. Yes. <laughs> I don't even understand that reference. What's I don't that? know. Oh. I don't know. Just, they call me the working man. <laughs> Okay. A little rush for you. A little, you know. All right. Okay. I don't know. I got nothing. All right. It's no, late. It's another late fine. night recording. Uh, it is. So bear with us. And it's uh it's a fairly light film that we're doing. So yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> might be a It'll might be a shorter episode. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But before it we is get a... into that, uh what did you what have you been watching? You watch watch anything this week? Do you have time for uh, anything this week? I really I didn't have much. Uh earlier on in the week I did actually stop by uh my work on my day off and i just happened to check out cocaine bear right um, how that turn out not bad uh yeah. the movie's okay i mean i think i probably should have watched it yeah I, I was gonna do a staff screening of it and then nobody showed up so i left but um right. i probably should have watched it then <clears throat> because mm-hmm. the actual act of watching it with other people was was like actually quite awful but um but no Oh, it was just one guy who like reacted to every joke with like, you know, Robert De Niro and Cape Fear, <laughs> like, you know, right. just shrieking these laughters and, and oh, responding and responding to people speaking on the screen. And I was like, right. I don't need this. Um, but then like, you know, there was a guy on his phone, uh, mm. you know, thick and I can tell you guys like man- the worst. Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm managing a movie theater and I can tell you it's it's worse than it's ever been in theaters, right. I think, right now. Like just the way crowds respond to things yeah. is just not the same as it used right. to be but the film is it just because everybody's got a phone now or is it or is it just i think it's partially that yeah. i think it's just also a little bit of just behavior in general right. i think they're just people that just kind of uh just have sort of given up on that i guess right. and they just sort of do whatever they want we have problems all the time at the theater yeah. man and we're, and we're trying to trying to get on it but right it's really difficult but the film itself is fine um, it was fun. Uh, I mean, it's actually, you could rename the roadhouse principle, the cocaine bear principle. It's basically the same idea. Right. Like it's basically like, this is a movie that tells you exactly what it is and goes out and bees that and is, is that movie. Right. And, um, and it works, uh, more often than not. It's, it's more like, it's not really, despite what that one guy was doing in the theater. Uh, it's not really like laugh out loud, funny, but it's rather, it is amusing. Like, you know, and I, I had a good time with it. Um, it's it's not as funny as it thinks it is, but right. it's still very clever. Um, and um, and has. Uh, um, oh, God, what's her name? She played my favorite villain on Justified. Um, oh, I have to look her up. Older lady. Great actor. Um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, Margot Martindale, I think. Um, mm. Wonderful actor. Uh, and uh, she's in it, and she does a, a wonderful, wonderful job with this film. And she was just—I was always very happy to see. Right. I'm always happy to see uh, Margot Martindale. Yeah, that is the name. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Ray Liotta's last film, right? Uh, interestingly enough, so I was like, okay, who knew Ray Liotta? But right. and CGI bears, but uh, it worked. Uh, it was a good, good, fun movie. It's it's very, very violent, very right. bloody. Um, but it's it's running on the reputation. It's like the most insane thing ever. And it was, you know, and I, I think probably right. if you aren't 
you know people if like you're us. not us right yeah yeah if you're not if you're not like us then you'll probably be like oh my god it's the craziest film i've ever seen but i'm like i don't know i've sat through way crazier right. but uh certainly not a bad film moves i had a brisk clip um i uh and it, it could have easily overstayed its welcome and it didn't and i was very very grateful for that so i mean it, it worked i mean it's a solid film and i do i do recommend it right yeah what about you uh you know i just been trying to watch uh catch up on slowly catch up on uh the last of us and uh, oh, yeah. i mentioned okay. that mentioned that last week but like i got a few more episodes into it and i'm uh, like my god this this isn't a good show this is a great show so really far. yeah okay it's 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 really something special you know to the point where i'm i'm almost afraid to keep watching it like there's going to be a point where it just gets bad you know yeah yeah or maybe they'll quit when they are hit yeah maybe you never know uh right. sometimes i mean in today's streaming era i think that's actually more possible than it ever was before yeah you know back in the day when you had studio execs being like no we want 12 more seasons right. you know um you know like the chris Car- what they call what i think they call it the chris carter effect yeah where uh you know it was like x-files he's like well so x-files is ending and they're like no <laughs> right. never never and he ever, was ever. like um yep. and he did he stick around or did he leave i can't remember they kept coming to they keep getting to come back. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. He, he kept sticking around to try and make it as good as he could. But yeah, right. um, I could never, I couldn't never remember quite remember how that story goes. Cause I remember the Chris Carter effect was, I think it was the idea that the creator stays on board, even though he's done. Right. But um, versus say like supernatural where like Eric Kripka was like, I'm actually leaving. Like right. I, I wrote five seasons of story. Now I'm out, and they're like, um, "Well, we're going to keep going for another ten years." <laughs> right. Um, and arguably, that's a show that went on for. I mean, I, I don't know if it's even arguable. It went way yeah, too long. Yeah, it went, I mean, went way too long. But you yeah, know, it was a fun ride. It was still know? a fun run. Yeah, right. I mean, it was still, you know, it was still a fine show. It was just there was a right. point where it was no longer the right. same show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll quit whether ahead with Last of Us. Right. But no, I'm I'm hearing well, great things. Yeah, yeah, and the season finale is uh, coming up this weekend, so mm-hmm. um, check it out. I, I think I think you'll dig it. Um, you know, there's there's just good action. There's really great drama. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's, uh, it's all around just a pretty pretty awesome show. Yeah, yeah. even maybe even maybe cry at one point. You know, so hey. Uh, well, I'm here. I of what's what I've been reading. Apparently, that's you know, that's what the show is made of, right? I guess, right? It's yeah. like you know, yeah. There's there's a lot of sad stuff in it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and it pisses off the right wing. So that, yes, and uh, as the guys we talked about last week, that means right. I absolutely have to watch it. You know, yep. yeah, and I have to love it on principle because right. it's making the right wing angry. But but yeah, it's not it's not Velma, so it's not like a bad show that you have to like feel like you want to be. You want to like because the right wing hates it, you know, but it's terrible. Well, the left wing hate Velma too, though. Right. Yeah. yeah. Everybody the hates, wing hates Velma. Yeah. I, I I don't even want to watch that. Like, uh, I don't want to watched, go anywhere near it. I watched the first episode. It Did was, you? Uh, it was straight up trash. It yeah. Was just okay. That's what I figured. Trash. Yep. Yeah. That's what I figured. It did not look like anything I would want to sit around for. But no. Yeah. I only watched it because it's. I'm like, how is it that everyone hates this show? Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like thinking that maybe it's actually secretly genius, and uh, no, it's just no. garbage. You know? Yeah, no, and I mean, <laughs> I feel like right this time. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like even five years ago, that would have been like a selling point. Like I'm going to watch the hell out of Velma, and now, right. but now I'm, 
I'm old. I'm older, and I've got. I don't have as much time that I kind of. Want, right. I don't want to waste my time with that. I yeah, actually stopped like, watching uh, that Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie like halfway through. And oh, that's right. Mamba. I and did. I, I watched I, that. I went back yeah. and watched the rest of that after telling you I probably never would, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was not very good. No, it wasn't. I I remember. Yeah, I forgot. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, because you did. Shows that went on way longer than they should yeah. have. Yeah. Yeah, that that Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie that that and this we're talking about the new one. Yeah, Plantasm. Plantasm. Yeah, right. it's awful. Yeah, I, I think I laughed a couple of times, but it was sort of like rehashing a lot of jokes that right. only worked because like and Aqua Teen Hunger Force was never good. Let's not. No, you no, know it was. It was random. Right. You know it 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 elicited giggles because it was except for so, Carl. Carl's on. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like all the most famous characters or like the Moon Knights and stuff were all like they were just ridiculous and right. um and non and like the show was built on like non sequiturs and largely built on improv, like right. improvised, like just actors talking. Right. Um that it was, you know, I mean, but this was this was really kind of sad. Like it just kind of yeah. made me feel bad about myself. Yeah, I, I laughed like, you know, I laughed once at Carl and I laughed once um the first time the Moon Knights show up and fuck with the fuck with the movie, right? Which the they do four like times. Yeah, times. they do yeah. that a lot in that movie. Yeah, like if they just did it once, it would have been pretty funny. But uh, they did it a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, I feel like the movie wanted to make jokes too about like yeah, we're totally we've we've rammed this into the ground. Right. Like it, it felt like it wanted to, but didn't quite go there. It was, but it would have been funnier if they did. Yeah. To just be like, you know, yes, we're just doing these jokes again. Like, <laughs> right. you know, don't even bother. But but yeah. So what's that our uh, what's our theme this month? Uh we're just doing a Clive Barker month. There's Clive Barker. Really, yeah. The good and the bad. Yeah. And there's a lot of bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, but you're we're, a, we're we're very pointedly not doing Hellraiser for some reason. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why, but that's I'm just like, eh, Hellraiser. We'll get to it one, yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did the one. Um, yeah. We're gonna do, and we're gonna do more. I think. What I think that's probably why is we chose. Um, we kind of made the choice to for Hellraiser to kind of be our uh, a fallback. Uh, yeah, fall black, fall back. Uh, right. We we need a week off kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're doing Rawhead we're, Rex. Rawhead Rex. Yep. Uh, the the. Extremely which I had never seen before. Yeah. Really? This is, which never... is why I picked it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because um, I have that Blu-ray and I just I didn't I hadn't gotten around to, to seeing I, I, it. I bought the Blu-ray again for this episode and right. I, I I'm regret sorry. it. Yeah, <laughs> I regret it. No, I made that decision myself. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna buy it. And uh, I did ultimately choose not to but uh, not to buy <laughs> out of the four films we're doing this month, I, I chose to buy two of them and not the other two. Right. And um and now I'm wishing I'd only bought the one because I was like Rawhead Rex and I didn't even watch the Blu-ray of Rawhead Rex. I just watched uh, <laughs> watched the one on Tubi. I watched so the Blu-ray. I like, it's 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 a it's a it looks nice. Um yeah. I I don't want to say it looks great because it's still shot in the you know mid eighties in Ireland. Um, yeah, or England. I, I don't know what it's Ireland, yeah. Right. Why well, know it's supposed yeah. to be Ireland, but is it no the credit the credit say yeah, okay. the cred- yeah, the credits say it's actually was shot in so, on location I, in Ireland. It doesn't look doesn't look beautiful. It looks gray mm-hmm. and, and and grainy, but I think yeah. that's just how how that 
that country looks. Yeah, I think if you're unless you're in the right in the right spots in Ireland, I right. think that's how it looks. But yeah, that was my first thing I noticed too. Is the film starts rolling, and I'm like, they've made beautiful countryside look drab and right, and not inviting. But I should probably do vitals before we get into that. Yeah, let's go to the vitals. We'll All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, so Rawhead Rex made in 1986, uh, written by Clive Barker, um, one of his earliest uh, forays into filmmaking. Uh, he wrote the screenplay. I think allegedly a lot of things got changed on him, but mm-hmm. no other writer is credited. Um, it was directed by George Pavlo. And then uh, it stars the late David Dukes as Howard Hallenbeck. Uh, and then we've got Kelly Piper, Hugh O'Connor, Cora Venus Lunny, uh, Ronan Wilmot giving my favorite film, my favorite performance in the film is Declan yeah, O'Brien. Sure. Uh, Neil Tolbin as Reverend Coot. Uh, Niall, uh, Niall O'Brien as Detective D- Detective Inspector Isaac Gissick. Uh, and then Heinrich von Schlendorf is uh, Rawhead Rex himself. Um and uh there's no other credits just blame um <laughs> uh and uh again i uh we talk in a positive constructive manner so we're gonna right. try and do that um yeah. but we do also like to make fun uh and, and it's all with love yep um but everybody keep that in mind that um that even though ride rex is not a great film i think i still kind of love it because it's yeah ridiculous uh, it's very much uh, uh, almost an entire hour of nothing in particular happening, and then twenty minutes of the greatest scenes in cinema history, right. and then it ends in the most uh, gloriously ridiculous manner humanly possible. Um, mm-hmm. And um, but like I said, so the, the film kind of opens with this drive through the Irish countryside and it's the ugliest place on earth for some reason. Right. And I'm like, it's this, the le- lovely rolling Hills of Ireland, but somehow it looks gray and dead. Yeah. And gross. It's like they shot at the worst day of the year. They just went yeah. and shot this movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But a um, right. lot of, but it's one of, one of many uh, very odd choices. This make this film makes. And um but I guess first of all, in in respect to uh, the man of the hour, mm. uh, Clive Barker, uh, it's he's not a fan of this film. Uh, right. He has gone on record in saying that he didn't uh, he didn't like what came out of it, uh, and it very nearly killed any of his interest in being in Hollywood. Between that, this and um, I think it was Transmutations. I think it was the film. Right. That he wrote prior to this. I think it was prior to this. Um, yeah, that was like 83 or something like that, I think. Um, or 80, and, 85. 85, sorry. Yeah, and that makes um, Rahad Rex look um, way better. Uh, I haven't seen that one either, to be honest. Yeah. Underworld? Uh, Underworld uh, or Transmutation? No, I haven't. Not. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, oh my I've never seen the box art, you know. I, the, I forgot Den. Yeah, I forgot Denholm Elliott is in that movie. Holy shit! Um, but yeah, it's. Um, I watched it. I watched. Uh, uh, I, I saw it as Transmutations, but I think it's also called Underworld. Right. Uh, apparently, its official title is Underworld. Um, I uh, I did see it like a year ago. Just kind of mm-hmm. randomly, I saw it on Tubi, so I was like, I'll watch it. It's pretty bad. Right. Um, it's. Um, it's a much more ambitious movie than Rawhead Rex, oddly enough. But um, 
it doesn't really work. I was hoping to watch right. it again before uh, recording this, but I just didn't have the time. Um, because yeah. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about his early forays into right the Hollywood system and and filmmaking because he di- he does not have much nice to say about the entire process in general. Um, and we'll talk about that more this this month as we talk about even films that he directed right. outside of the original Hellraiser. He rarely has anything nice to say about his experiences. In fact, he wrote a whole book on mm-hmm. uh, how much Hollywood sucks. <laughs> um, have you have you read uh, Cold Dark Canyon? No, I have not. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorites. I I really do like that book. There are a lot of people that don't like it, but mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And but the entire kind of point of it was him like kind of trying to kind of take the piss out of Hollywood because he really right. found it to be that this vapid um alarming place where he and he never really got the autonomy he wanted um right. as a filmmaker or as a screenwriter. Um but Rawhead Rex is an early shot at that and yeah. um based on his own short story, uh right. he adapted it. Um which I looked up the short story. I, I haven't read it in forever. Uh, but I did look it up on like TV tropes and I was like, oh yeah, I think it's coming back to me now. Right. Um, it's which, almost exactly the same as the movie, which is weird because, yeah. you know, he, he doesn't like the movie and how it turned out, but like, it's, it's not that much different. There was more. Yeah. Short story. Yeah. Like you get, you know, Rawhead Rex's, you know, POV. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference between the story and the movie. Like, you know, yeah. And a couple of weird details about like bodily fluids, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He could he could be a little bit more shocking and a little bit more, you know, yeah, um, blasphemous, you know, in the short yeah. story that, that the film yeah. turned out to be, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I I listened to the audio book of it uh, this week. Going the okay, movie. Uh, before I even watched the movie, I, I listened to that just just because I you know had not read that since. I don't know when because it was in one of the books of blood. Yeah. Um, so I probably read it in middle school or early in high school. I've never mm. ever since then. Yeah. 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 It doesn't the, the short story has some weird shit in it, right? right? Like he like jerks off to a picture of Jesus or something. Does that happen in the right. short story? Yeah. Yes. And he's scared of, of menstrual blood. Right. Yeah. He, um, he comes across yeah. a woman who's on her period and he's He's not scared. He's disgusted by it. Ah, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, well, that's you know, that scams. Yeah. <laughs> with this yeah. monster. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then he's described as looking like a giant penis in the right. uh, in the in this it's uh, a guy in a rubber suit. But right. And so yeah. you know, it's it's got that whole angle of you know being like you know this masculine like yeah demonic entity you know <clears throat> which. I guess by changing the, the the way the creature looks to whatever, however you want to describe the creature, mm. as just like a giant ogre, yeah. In, in the in the film, like loses some of that translation. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I read that that someone was like referred to him as an ogre. As ostensibly, he's an ogre from right. like Celtic myth or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's that that scans. Yeah, but um. But yeah, I mean, he's, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a guy in a rubber suit right. in this movie. And it, and, and this it, movie's practically just a slasher film with, yeah. you know, yeah. Irish overtones. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's just like kind of drab 
Irish people and a guy in a rubber suit, uh, rubber monster, uh, as it runs around like eating people and it has no real particular goal or, or, or anything. It's just kind of eating people. Um, you could literally just insert any other monster you wanted into the story. We wouldn't change a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And having, having never watched this before going into it for, for this thing, like I thought it was going to, it was a much more raucous movie than it turned out to be because I've only seen clips, you know, it's like, Oh, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be punk rock. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's like, it's last act kind of is, but yeah. 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 Yeah, Once, once it gets going, you know, halfway through or whatever, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. Yeah. But leading up to that, it's just like, there's not much there. Yeah. Yeah. There's very little. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very light movie. Uh, You know, there's really no real story. The general idea is we got a, a a natural historian who's apparently American, mm-hmm. why he's right. American. Um, is anybody's guess? I don't know. Uh, it br- adds nothing to the story. It just so happens he's an American in Ireland. Right. Uh, he's looking for like Celtic cults. Uh, Great Christian ruins. Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, ends up a small Irish town, uh, completely un uninvolved with that some guy finds a thing in his lawn and he pulls it out right and out comes rawhead rex who then proceeds to start eating people and our historian rat kind of randomly sees him in the middle of the night one night and that right. apparently makes him uh the hero of the film by by default right um and then Rawhead and probably the, one of the scene, film's best scenes uh, kills the guy's son, right. uh, dragging him out. Um, which, which, if I were that kid, I'd probably be like, you know, at least it's better than reading Secret Wars two, um, <laughs> right? Which is the comic book he's reading. Which I was like, wow, yeah. somehow this is not the worst written thing in the movie. But um, <laughs> right, but uh, but yeah, the kid gets his like arm ripped off or whatever, his foot ripped off. And so our natural, our historian like is trying to, now he wants revenge against the monster and he manages to figure out due to pretty circumstantial evidence mm-hmm. that some sort of MacGuffin will destroy Rawhead Rex. Right. Rawhead then uh, in what is like the awesomest thing I've ever seen, at least this week, uh, you know, rips apart everybody in a, in a trailer park in the middle of nowhere. Right. And then uh, uh, I kept pro- expecting those little kids from the trailer park and from Return of Swamp Thing to show up. And, and that, that would have been great. That would have been yeah. the best thing I ever saw. <laughs> I think that green guy's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, not my dad's camera. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I love that little man. Yeah. Uh, I hope he's doing well. Much, love, um, much love. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like that's sort of where we're going with what the movie is, and then Rawhead is defeated by the MacGuffin, right? But it has to be held by a woman for some reason, right? And um, it's not clear why. Um, yeah, you know, it's just fertility <clears throat> things, I guess. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's I think just... that it probably makes sense in context from the short right. story, but where you know, here's a uh, uber masculine monster that can only be right. defeated by uh, you know the the power of the female which is also again very celtic and right. uh very pagan but the movie is sort of random 
and it's sort of like there's there's like Ark of the Covenant ghosts or whatever. Right. Rawhead is defeated and then pops up again in the last reel of the film for no particular reason. Um it's a it's a kind of dizzying, a dumb movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a dizzying array of strange scenes that don't right. really go anywhere and but I mean, if we want to talk about the positives, I mean, like I said, the greatest thing that ever is like it's he comes across this was this trailer park mm-hmm. and not just any trailer park, like little tiny trailer park, like, right, you yeah. know, uh, where it's basically an outhouse Good. on wheels. Right. And he just starts. It's like and like the ugliest man I've ever seen is in one of them. Yeah. Yep. Um, You notice that guy? Yeah. Like big, bushy eyebrows and like yeah. his hair's a little bushy. He just like it was like, you know, I'm looked- like, wow. It looked like he should have been like some Eastern European refugee, like you know, like yeah, yeah, it's like uh, like Croti Robot would accuse him of being Maltese, right? You know, um, but yeah, and then he starts like just tearing the shit out of the place. And uh, my favorite part of it is the guy who runs up and like I, I can't remember what does he yell? He yells like yo, here you, mo- here you, fucker! He starts like punching right, yeah. him in the back, right. and Ryan just kind of turns around and starts slapping him against the trailer. Uh, I just love the idea of like random a couple of these random guys living in this trailer park just seeing an eight foot tall ogre and just throw down on him. Right. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't go his way. And then no. there are explosions and car crashes. And I'm like, where has this been the rest of the movie? Right. Like it really comes alive for a few minutes there. Like, yeah. and I was like, this is actually a lot of fun. Like, where I would rather, I mean, I almost feel like this movie would be better if you just ditch the historian. Right. And you just had, but which, by the way, I mean, is another odd choice to make your hero uh, incredibly unappealing. Right. Um, and um, he says a couple of things that. Like, boring. A, just, yeah. Very just... boring man. Yeah. 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 And that's and, not a slight uh, against historians. That's just how this character is written. Just boring. Yeah. He's not given any, any really character yeah. or anything, he's a really you know? dull character yeah right. and um i think david dukes i mean david dukes is a fine actor and i've seen right. him in other stuff but you know um but yeah i mean ultimately what we're talking about is kind of this bland guy who walked around with like a cardigan right um who and it just at every point where you think he might become interesting he just sort of wanders off <laughs> right um and um like and it's sort of interesting because again, like the like you like you had said, the short story is is sort of provocative and shocking, mm-hmm. and and which is what Clive is. I mean, Clive Barker right. is that kind of writer. It's like you know when you read a Clive Barker story, part of the appeal of Clive Barker is you never quite know where all this is going to go, and you might end up reading some of the weirdest shit you've ever, and you will end up read if you haven't read Clive Barker, I highly recommend it, mm-hmm. but beware that that's what you're going into. Cause he will, he will push your buttons. He right. absolutely will. Like he is, he's sometimes, you know, and I think it's a criticism of him that, uh, you know, it depends on your point of view that he, sometimes he pushes way too far right. and, uh, and shit gets weird. And we'll talk about that when we talk about like Nightbreed, where there's some, mm-hmm. In the book in particular, there's some really, really, really weird shit yeah. in that book. Um, some weird shit in the movie too, but um, but yeah, he always goes uh usually to places you don't expect. Uh, I think sometimes to the point that he doesn't know exactly where he's going, especially right. with his novels. Um short stories, he's got a little bit more control. Novels he tends to spiral out of control. Um, but he um 
and I think he's even said that he's not that comfortable with actually novel writing. He prefers the short story right. form. Um, because his novels always go off into left field for a while, and then they right. kind of maybe sort of sometimes find a center again. Um, but he uh, he's fundamentally he's good at, un- he's good at doing children's novels or or, or yeah. all ages novels like yeah. uh, the Thief of Always. Thief of then, Always is one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah, and then, love uh, that book. Was it Arabat or Aberat or Aberat, which Aberat. was which was good until he jumped the shark hardcore, right? But um, like the third book, uh, I only read the, the first one. Oh yeah, I mean the first one's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, second one's not bad either. And then the third one, towards the end of the book, he just he jumps the shark hard with um, like the main character like falling right. in love with a random guy and stuff, and then like wait what? Like that doesn't uh, make any sense. Um. <clears throat> It's really, uh, it really gets weird, uh, and he it it kind of is a story killer, and I, it's kind of a shame. But that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. but um, and that's my opinion. I mean, some people might like it, right. but I mean, uh, but yeah, his his uh, but Thief of Always is a phenomenal book, and is right. still at the top of my list, and probably if not the top of my list. If I if someone ever said, okay, here Nathaniel, we'll give you some money to make a, any movie you want, I'd be like, I want to adapt Thief of Always. Right, like I can't figure out for the life of me why that hasn't been adapted yet. No, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, um, you know, it's one of those things that I'm always like, why hasn't there been a few always movie? But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big Clyde Barker fan. Are you a Clyde Barker fan? You must. Be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you prefer you prefer you prefer King though? Yeah, I prefer King. You do? Yeah. Um, I kind of stopped reading Clive Barker. A while back, just never, never got back into it, and I don't, rem- I don't know why that was. It's just you know, he's changing or or something. But uh, I think Everett was the last book as I read. That might be the last book he wrote, though. Right? Yeah. Um. I think, I, yeah. No, he may have written. No, no, he wrote the Scarlet Gospels. Yeah, I was gonna say the Scarlet Gospels may have been after yeah. that. Yeah, right. that's that was recently. That was a few years ago. Yeah, like seven or eight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Seven, a bad eight, book. 12, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, which was basically right. yesterday when you get, you know, when you're right. over 40, it was like, well, that happened a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, but no, that was not a good book, Scarlet Gospels. No. I did not like that at all. But um, but yeah, I mean, like, I've been a huge fan of Clive. Uh, I think I first read him in seventh grade, I think. Right. I read some of the magic. I had no idea what I was doing. And mm-hmm. I didn't know what that story was about. I just was reading it. Um, but then I read Thief of Always. And then I tracked down, um, like, you know, his other novels and the Books of Blood and stuff like that. And uh, he's a big influence on me as a as a writer. Uh, his mm-hmm. prose, I, in general, I think I really dig. Um, but I had, I mean, one of my best friends, like, hated him because he couldn't, ha- he couldn't stand the, uh, the eroticism aspects. Oh, okay. Which uh, I get, um, you know, he felt it took him out of the story. It was too, you know, he's really interested in a lot of the imagery that Clive Barker uses. The right. stories are interesting. And all of a sudden there's just like a lot of banging. And I'm like, yeah, there right. is. Um, that's that's something Clive's interested in. And he likes getting weird with it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the <laughs> I've read some of the weirdest, most icky shit ever in Clive Barker's sex scenes. Um, right. but, um, but yeah, I mean, 
it's uh it's he's an interesting he's an interesting writer but the reason why i kind of went on that whole tirade there was to point out that there must have been changes made to his script because this movie is so safe right that i can't believe for a minute that, that this was the finished script clive barker turned in right. um and not only that but like the dialogue it's just filled with cliches it's uh you know the dialogue yeah. sometimes doesn't even make sense like did, are his did the same director do um oh my god i forgot the name of it already underworld or uh did he mutations or yes he did okay yeah. okay that's so kind of weird that it's the second time they worked together and you know yeah yeah this was 85 yeah underworld was 85 and then right. Rex was 86 so yeah right yeah. after um and this is what yeah. made him want to you know go do his own so fuck it i'll do it myself you know yeah. these, these two movies yeah so if you can if you can say anything good, I guess about Rod Rex, it's that it ended up causing Hellraiser to get made. Right. But right. I mean, like as Clyde Barker goes off to New World Pictures and make and gets money to make Hellraiser. Excuse me. Um, he goes off to make Hellraiser. Right. And um, but yeah, he he was not a fan about how this turned out, or um, or Underworld, uh, mm-hmm. for that matter. He um he which is what made him go off to be like, well, I'm gonna make my own film. And of course, the rest is history in that sense. I mean, that's uh, what Spalding Gray might say. And now you know the rest of the story. But <laughs> uh reference for the kids there, Spalding right. Gray. Um yeah, I love I love refer- referencing shit that was probably before even my time. But yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like and he makes Hellraiser and he actually has a good experience on that. Right. Um, and then that's never repeated. Like he has right, right. bad experiences from there on out. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's not hard to see why he wouldn't be happy with this film. Um, right. But the script, like, but that's what, but it's suspiciously not Clive Barker is my mm-hmm. point. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. But it's, it's just, it's weird because like, you know, like we said, you know, it's, it's, he wrote the script, he wrote the, the short story and like something's missing at, yeah. at the same time. And I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it, you're right. That's a, that's a good way to put it that it, that hadn't really occurred to me, but yeah, like, I'm like, yeah, there's something missing here and I don't know what it is. Right. Like uh, something could make this more complete, but um, I mean, I know that this could, I mean, I know it could be a hell of a lot tighter Right. Um, you know, it, it's a very meandering film. Um, it's only like an hour and a half long in first place, yeah. so it's like yeah, know, yeah. It's a very long hour and a half. <clears throat> I feel like yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe it's just maybe it's maybe it's the lack of a really particularly intriguing protagonist, right? Um, like I almost feel like it would have been better if maybe like you know if it was a local, you know, or. Yeah. You know uh, what this film would turn would look like. I think in, in the hands of a more of more modern sensibility, that would probably be the case. Like it would be right. like a local uh, or somebody who just moved to town. But like right. why it's and an that's, American? That's you know. that's how they changed the. That's one of the things they changed from the shorts. Is that um, the 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 character of the historian wasn't in there, but you know the 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 father who you know 
who just by all intents and purposes is the same as the, as the character. He's just not a historian. Was like, uh, they were a family from the city who were, you know, rich and going to move out there mm-hmm. to the country. Um, that was the only real difference. Oh, okay. But, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't an American. He was, you know, uh, a Londoner or something or right. a Dubliner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I could even see that. Like, you know, if you wanted to talk about unpleasant history right? Uh, in the UK, I mean, like, I think it would have actually been more interesting to be like, here's a Londoner, like somebody right. from England, you know, yeah, like and that. It, and that kind of tied into, to, um, like tourism and stuff like that. Like yeah. um, the short story, like at the beginning, they talk about the town and, um, excuse me, my throat got really trial all of a sudden. Yeah, mine too. Um, You know, they talk about how, like, you know, in the summer months is when they make all their money from the, the townies coming in and, you know, being yeah. touristy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That, that, thematically works too i mean if you want to talk about the idea of like you know uh rawhead rex being a a holdover from pre-christian paganism Mm -hmm. that you know was sort of buried underneath the rise of christianity uh and then if you that's what i mean if you had a guy who was you know if you wanted to play up the idea that they didn't want him around maybe that would have worked like you know our, our our american historian I always feel like if you would have, you know, you could have had a a British guy and be like, well, there's this whole history of the colonization of Ireland and the right, right. uh and you know how England has and still more or less does mm-hmm. uh you know keep a a pretty tight stranglehold on Ireland. Yeah. Uh you know, that that would have been, you know, you had Western imperialism right coming into a uh, or you know, mod or a modernization of imperialism. Yeah. intruding on uh the uh what's the word what's that what's the word i'm thinking of um you know quaint right. country village uh yeah that even it plays up the folklore aspects of the, yeah. of, of the uh of the story in that way too yeah mm-hmm. in a way that you know the movie itself doesn't really because for the most part nobody really notices that guy exists <laughs> I yeah mean, yeah uh, a couple of people know, that kind of give him a dirty look. Yeah, you know, and, then and the, he, the cops don't pay him any mind, but right. they don't pay him any mind because he wanders into their office saying, "I saw an eight foot tall like gorilla man with glowing right. red eyes," and they're like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, um, the only guy who really takes an interest in him at all, like before that, is that is is Declan, and you know, and Declan knows that Roger yeah, is real. Yeah. right. And that's the whole reason he takes an interest in him. He's like, "Get the hell out of here!" Get know? the hell out of here! Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I feel like, and maybe that's what the answer is. Maybe what's missing is a theme, right? You know, uh, there's, there's very little actual story to this movie. There's no actual, uh, there's no theme. There's no metaphor. There's no drive. It's just basically a generic monster movie. You know, Roger Corman could have made this thing and it wouldn't have, it would have been the same movie. Yeah, you know, Roger Corman would be like, okay, it's a guy in a rubber mask running around beating the hell out of people. Um, right. He just would have made it for way less money. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and probably would have made more money because Roger Corman was very, very good <laughs> right. at not spending money and then making money. Um, and God bless him. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it this feels a little bit like a 
like a Roger Corman type of thing, like, you know, and, it, mm-hmm. and it's another example, I think, of we've talked about this a couple of times with other films, that um, it's not bad enough right. to, be, to be notable, to be notable, to be fun. Like if this movie would just if this movie just decided to give up and go crazy, which it kind of does in right. the last act, if it had just done that from the word go, I think it would probably be great. Because right. it would have just been all right, you know, if it was just Rawhead Rex running around thinking of particularly gruesome ways to tear people apart, I'd be all on board with that movie. Yeah. I don't need yeah. a story with that movie. Right. Um I'm more than happy to watch that film. Uh, but it's sort of like them saying, Well, there is a story, but we just don't know what it is, and we don't want to tell you what it is. So right. it's sort of like we're just gonna have this guy wander around taking photographs. Um and and saying some occasionally baffling dialogue mm-hmm. like sometimes he's making statements like they're supposed to be like aphorisms but they or or like old sayings but they don't no one Make says any them. sense right yeah and he's like he's making statements that i'm like i don't know what and i should have written some down but i was like half the time this movie feels like it was written by an alien and not a best-selling author right that i'm like this is really weird um but um and and very circumstantial and very not planned very well planned out and right. um but let's talk about the one of the good things we mentioned declan o'brien right great character uh he's i liked him from the beginning because he's he's the, he he um he meets the main <laughs> character and just doesn't like him right yeah they yeah. just kind of hate and each I'm other like, from the get-go yeah they just don't yeah. like each other and there's no real reason for it they just don't like him and right. um probably because of the really shitty joke the guy makes i would have hated him too i think like the sir walks mm-hmm. up he's like looking for a mr coot and like the reverend Declan's like, yeah okay all yeah. oh, right yeah. yeah and then he's like well coot wouldn't be old would he right. and the guy gives him that look and i would like oh this guy's my favorite character already like Declan <laughs> just gives him a look of like right. really did you just say that to me um what a terrible joke um Trying to see if there's any quotes from uh Hallenbach that, that show like his stupid aphorisms, but like most of the most of the quotes in here are from uh from Declan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As they should be. And I mean right, and yeah. he just starts he just starts chewing scenery right. left and right in the last act. And I'm like, why couldn't we have watched that the whole movie? Like right. uh because those were those were wonderful scenes when he's talking to the other, to the other priest and the priest is like, you know, you are a servant of God. And he's like, ah, like that's God. Like, you know, it's, it's just like him just going absolutely insane and shouting and screaming every line. Yeah. Yeah. And just like gesticulating wildly with his hands and arms. I mean, it was, it's a, it's a wonderful hammy performance. And I'm like more of that. Please, yeah. like this movie would have been great if it would just been. I would have followed that guy anywhere. And more of more of Rahad Rex pissing on priests, you know, right? Because like, I mean, yeah. that's amazing as well. Like you don't that is see amazing. That every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and the the violent scenes, like, like yeah, I remember actually one of my riffs I had this time around was when the mm-hmm. priest was talking to Declan and he says like. Uh, have you gone insane? And he's like, no. And I went, well, yes. Um, but yeah, right. you know, um, but yes, I have. But uh, things get crazy in the third act of this movie, mm-hmm. and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, he starts pushing over trailers, and 
uh, the, he, he mesmerizes the head inspector and then the guy in the middle of the big kind of climactic fight where all the cops are quartered right he just grabs a couple cans of gasoline and just goes nuts and just starts right. lighting things on fire and then he gets lit on fire himself yeah and a bunch and of guys run, are running around on fire you know yeah and then he runs up to the ride rex and he like bows down before him while he's literally burning to death and i'm right. like this is the greatest thing i've ever seen yeah. where is this where been this, the rest of the last that? hour yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's a wonderful bit of madness. Uh, when when Ryan pulls the inspector out of the car to mesmerize him, the other guy pulls out and just crashes his own car. Right. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, well, Ryan had nothing to do with that. No. You know, that just was the guy being stupid, but he just goes and overturns his own car. And I'm like, that's amazing. And these, it must have been expensive. I'd have to, the only reason why I would imagine that they kept it for the ending, because... They had to blow up a couple of cars and stuff, right, but right. we didn't have the money, but things get wild at yeah. the end of this movie. And that's when it gets fun. And then, you know, and then they would cut away from that and go back to Hollenbeck. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> right. I would have rather just watched Rawhead Rex terrorizing the town. Yeah, it'd be funny if like things. halfway through the movie, like, you know, Hollenbeck like just like leaves. Right. Just, like, well, he does. Yeah. I mean, he like, does. For the rest of the movie, like, they, oh, yeah, they just, they're just like, ah, I'm out of here, whatever. Well, it's a that's what I that's actually something I did like about it was that Hollenbeck does what I love it when characters just to say, you know what, I'm out of this story and right. I'm leaving. And Hollenbeck gets his family into the car and drives off, right? They just stopped so the kid could be, which by the way, mom just says, oh, she's fine, yeah. Um, There's- there's a killer creature on the loose, but like just let let her just go. Well, even if she does, even though she doesn't believe in the creature, and he hasn't right. really told them there's an evil creature, but still, it's like the kid's like what seven, right? And they pull over the side of the road so she can go pee, and the mom's like, she can, she's fine on her own, and I'm like, what? That doesn't make what? No. Well, you 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 don't name your kid Minty if you love him anyway. So right, know. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they go and. You know, and then she she sees a dead rabbit and starts shrieking, right. and then the kid, the other boy, gets off the loan, and then he gets right. ripped apart. Um, in a scene that probably that feels like it should be a lot more hardcore, right. and it's really not. Um, no, because it's just kind of goofy. Because you know, you, we get to see him in ride rest in broad daylight. You know, struggling to reach a child in a car. Right. And, and, you know, that's just kind of rawr. nobody looks good in that situation. Yeah. No, yeah. He's just kind of raw. Right. Like, you yeah. Know. I mean, but yeah. once again, props to the 80s. You know, you could kill kids in movies back then. You know. And, mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about that because I, I think we've talked about this before, how like it's it's been brought up that it's, you know, you don't see kids getting killed very often in horror movies. And I'm like, but I feel like we've said that seven or eight times. Right. So I feel like it's probably happens more often than we think it does. Yeah. For um. Sure. You know, I think that people like to tell themselves maybe kids had immortality in film, but I'm not sure that was ever true. I think they probably get killed more often than we think. Right. But you don't see much. Yeah. You, you know, in Ryan Rex, you see a bloody shoe, I right. think. And, you know, the kid's in peril. To the point that I, I was I was actually confused. Like, I was like, so he runs, you know, Hollenbeck runs up, and then we see the bloody shoe, but then right. Rawhead and the kid are both guns. I'm like, did he take the kid? Yeah, he took Is the that, kid somewhere. Like yeah, but the then woods, he killed like, him. Right. Yeah. yeah, but I was like, well, did he take the kid? Like, is is this act, is this moving into like the next act where he's like got oh, the kid right. captive? Like, yeah. is the kid dead? 
And then they cut to another scene, and it's basically the cops like telling Holland Beck, Well, yeah, your kid's dead. Right. And um, which he doesn't seem that broken up over. No. Uh, they get over it pretty quickly. Um, considering the death of the son. And I love that scene where he goes to talk to the priest, and he's like, Well, I asked about the window. The priest's like, You're thinking of windows right now? Right, yeah. Like, didn't your kid just die? Um, it's uh, it's it's very funny how uh, it's basically a, a child was murdered and the family is just sort of like, well, we didn't like him that much anyway. Mm. Like Hollenbeck seems to more like want retribution because something of his was taken than right. actually grieving over a dead child. So I guess my fan canon is they didn't like the kid very much. Right. But, and for the woman who basically is the hero of the story, more or less, she mm. doesn't have a lot of dialogue or things no. to do. Um, it's really weird. She's just sort of there. And the only thing we know about her, she doesn't really like, she doesn't want to be in the small town. She wants to go to Dublin because right. Dublin's much nicer. And that she has like weird sexual innuendos with her husband that don't make any sense. But, right. and uh, 80s hair. That's essentially mm-hmm. the character wrapped up in a nutshell. It's very strange. Yeah, that's pretty much everything. Yeah. And I, it's really kind of weird. Uh, but not weird enough. It's one of those mm-hmm. movies that's just not weird enough. It had been a little bit more random, a little bit more over the top. Right. Um, I probably would have been into it way more. Because, I mean, I, honestly, I think, and, and this is another positive I wanted to put out there, that even though the rubber suit, you know, it's it's obviously cheap looking, I think it delivers more often yeah. than not. It's actually, it's it's not bad. I mean, no. Uh, you know, I think he he works in in certain scenes. I, I think it's not bad for a uh, for a rubber suit. Right. Um, you know, there's there's definitely some stuff here that's interesting, but it just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't come together. Doesn't add up to enough. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. Any any thoughts from you? Anything that you got written down? <laughs> I didn't write much no. down at all. I mean, it was just. I was just like, I'm like, where's the story? What is what's going yeah. on? What's know? going on right now? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What's your what's what's your favorite Clive Barker, um, like book or short story uh, from his writing, not not film? Oh, from the, I mean, probably Cabal, but I haven't I haven't read that in a long time either. Mm-hmm. I haven't read any of his stuff in a long long ass time, and I need yeah. to go back and read it. Um, it's worth revisiting. Yeah, yeah like I I like his books of blood. Um, you know, like no, you yeah. said, I think he, I think he works best as a short story. Yeah, definitely. Um, or novella form, you know. Yeah, I think King does too. But honestly, yeah. I, I mean, I, I always find it interesting to read King's short, a lot of King's short work, and uh, right, and it has a certain um, immediacy to it that really, I think, right. works better than his sprawling twelve hundred page. Yeah, I think novels. Stephen King more than as much as anybody I've ever read, like, you know, needs a, an editor to go, okay, stop. Stop. Yeah. yeah. Just, just you're done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Clive, Clive's, I've read almost every one of Clive's novels. Um, right. And if not, maybe I have read all of them. I think there was one I haven't. Um, And they're, they're mixed bags for sure. Right. Um, I mean, obviously my favorite, my favorite is Steve Walways. It's it, which is, uh, if you if you're listening it's to this and you haven't so read yeah. if you haven't it's read so the always go check it out it will literally right. take you take you two hours to read it right uh it's not long um 
and it's it's such an interesting story and has everything you could need in it it's such a uh it's a fairy tale it's uh it's also yeah. uh but it's also really horrific like there's a lot mm-hmm. of really scary shit in the always yeah and um it's great stuff it's 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 how i think it's how you write for how you write horror for young people is right. it, 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 there's no there's no fucking around with evil always he's not sugarcoating anything he's no. going hard with that story and um and uh it, it's but it's it's told in such a way that it doesn't feel as transgressive as it is i think and right. um and that's clive's thing he's he's such clive barker's thing it's a it's bad form to call him just his first name um right i I've, i learned that in college um but yeah it's uh it's he's such a transgressive writer um and, and by de- by definition i mean that's what he's going for right. is he wants people to get uncomfortable um and uh it's it works more often than it doesn't in his writing um i'm trying to think of what there's one or two i didn't i just didn't really care for i'm trying to think of what they were but um damnation games okay yeah uh damnation game had a good uh had an interesting lead character uh, and I remember that's something that Clive is sometimes not that good at. There I do there I go doing it again. But right. um Clive Barker has a has has some issues, I think, sometimes in creating interesting characters. Um he either sometimes goes too far in making them in trying to portray them as flawed, he'll end up making them dicks. And right. it's a, it's a little bit like uh, you know, for every Harry Demore he ever created, there's other people mm-hmm. oh that's another one that I, i've still boggled that they never adapted as a great and secret show yeah that's um a good it's yeah. a great book yeah uh it's and that's another wild that ass the, book that was the first thing i ever read about him was, was yeah that one yeah that's a wild book right. like that book is absolutely insane um most of us were kids, but right. Clive, a great three years show is definitely like, I think is the early example of what i'm talking about like if you if you you, you want to read a book and you have no idea where it's going Right. Great and secret show. Uh it, it changes plot noticeably three or four times. Mm-hmm. Uh characters you think you think are major die. Uh, right. you know, uh people become weird demigods for no reason. It just it's it's completely out there. Um and I love it. That's why I love his work. I, I think I prefer him to King because I find mm-hmm. there's something a little bit more wild. Uh, right. untamed about Clive Barker versus King's, uh, you know, tenure for dialogue and and uh, right. and there's a relative safety to King. I think even I think even King admitted that. I mean, King right. had a whole uh, you know thing about writing books for for people that don't read, right? Um, and of course, it's made him worth more than. Of- yeah, more than we'll ever will ever over be. Again. And yeah, um, the great, you know, the probably the most widely read author of the late twentieth century. Right. Um, whereas Clive was always number two. He was the yeah, because King was the king of horror, mm-hmm. right? That was the tagline, which obviously it's the tagline. But Clive Barker was like the crown prince. Horror. All right. Like he was always number two, and then they probably would get together and laugh at Dean Koontz. Um, <laughs> but um. But yeah, Dean Koontz. Um, you ever read any Dean Koontz? 
not since like middle school. So I, yeah. I really wouldn't feel comfortable saying anything about it. Yeah. No, I, I did read some. I don't. Right. And I remember I remember reading it. There's one by Dean Koontz called Strangers. And we're, this is what we're doing. We're filling time now. Right, um, right. Uh, but yeah, Dean Koontz. Give uh, us Strangers. more to work with, movie. And we won't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How dare you, Ryan Rex. Now we're just talking about the the mega horror writers of the uh, right. late 1980s. But yeah, Dean Koontz, um, he wrote a book called Strangers that had a really intriguing premise. And then it ended up being the dumbest thing ever. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, really? It's like this great story about like these people who they, they all have uh, three days missing from their memory. Right. And so they they happen to kind of find each other due to these weird circumstances and um and they're trying to figure out what happened to them and why they don't remember these three days and mm-hmm. uh and then it turns out to be this like bullshit like uh uh there was a ufo crash and the government uh. erased their memory and i'm like oh come on like there could have been something that's way lame. cooler yeah. yeah and i'm like and that's always dean Koontz, i think like phantoms is always like right you know which we should totally cover because Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, you know? but, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, um, but yeah, Koontz was, uh, was the other guy, right? you know, um, uh, but yeah, you know, there were, it was a, it's a lost thing. I, do we have those anymore? We don't really have those anymore. Like great horror, horror authors. No. It's still just them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, just... Like King still is still doing it. Um, right. Barker, I think, is largely retired due to illness, I believe. Right. You know, I think he's, I mean, knocking on wood here, but yeah, he's not, uh, he's been sick, I think, for a long time. And then, um, right. Uh, Koontz I, might even be dead. I don't know. Where are you, Dean Koontz? Come on the show but, if you're not dead. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to Prove you. Prove it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to look it up real quick just to see you guys. <laughs> I know. I'm like, is he dead? He's, he's almost certainly not, but. Um, I don't think he was that old or anything. So, mm-hmm. Dean Kuntz, uh, he is not dead. He is seventy-seven right. years old, but he is oh, not dead. Retired, probably. Yeah, yeah. Or he's still writing books. I don't know. Nobody would. Right. I would have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's. But yeah, I loved uh, I loved reading Clyde Barker as a young person. I and I I I've always meant to go back and reread some stuff, but. It's on storage right now. I'll back right. in Maine, which along with all my king, for that matter, for the most Seems part. Seems like I only get to it when we when we do one of his movies on the show. Like, because I did this, I'm going to do Cabal, Nightbreed, you know, and uh, Last Illusion. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I did it for uh, Candyman as well. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually mean I actually do intend to watch um, uh, Salome and the Forbidden. Uh, sometime this right. month, the uh, short films he made back in the seventies. Right, I haven't uh, watched those in a long ass time either. Yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen them, but I intend to watch them uh, along with a couple of other obscure ones I'd like to mention on the show occasionally. But right. uh, like Saint Sinner, like you ever see? Probably didn't see Saint. No, Sinner. no, nobody saw Saint Sinner. Uh, it was like this made for TV. Um. Uh, it was made for the sci-fi channel mm-hmm. uh and it was i barely remember it but i have a digital copy somewhere i found ah. with internet magic right right and 
<clears throat> not that I partake in such things, um, but I uh, or endorse it in any way. Um, but the but I, I do want to check it out again because I remember it being like fundamental, this this like unbelievably bad. But a bunch right. of my friends and I back when it came out uh, on TV, we we made a whole thing about it. We like went and watched it, got together and watched it, and uh, it was bad. And we were like, oh no. It's really bad, right. but but yeah, I think Clive's just credited with story. Like I think he just kind of came up with the idea, and someone else made it. But, right. Yeah. You know what we need to try and find? What? Clive Barker's Razor Kind. You remember that? Yeah. Marvel yeah. Comics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I had the first couple issues of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I I think it's lost to time uh, right. somewhere. But yeah, it's. Clive Barker, for those of you who are uninitiated, uh, Clive Barker did a, a line of comic books from Marvel Comics mm-hmm. called Razor Kind. And they were right. like Ecto Kid and a couple other yeah. things. And they were really weird. Um, but God, yeah, they weren't like, very good, but they were. They were I don't remember. Yeah, weird. I don't remember them yeah. being good. They were just really right. weird. But um, but yeah, back in the back in the day, I mean, that's how that's how big a thing Clive Barker really was. Like, you yeah. know, it's. Now he's kind of known as the guy who made Hellraiser, but like it's right. he was this mega mega author and counterculture. Uh, he was the alternative to Stephen King. I think it was right. really like you know the cool kids, right? Clive Barker, you know, yeah, yeah. There's um, Stephen King, and then there's like Clive Barker was like you know just like so much more badass. And, yeah, know. he was punk rock, right? Yeah, he's punk rock. He was goth industrial. He's you know he's S and M. He's he's taboo and uncomfortable and king is sort of like i'm gonna write stories about like you know people living in maine quietly like dealing <laughs> with willing with ghosts and clive barker's right. like entire towns becoming giant monsters and attacking each other right uh you know i'm gonna get weird i'm gonna have like corpse corpses having sex and like undead dogs and uh and weird demons that torture people and right. things like i've got a killer clown guys right you know and it's sort of like king had this had this psychosis to a degree about you know small town america but clive barker was in your face and he's from the city you know right. like it was it's just a fascinating dichotomy the two yeah thing i think they get along i think i remember they they got along okay Clive was also, uh, uh, as was everybody, a good friend with Mick Garris. They collaborated right. a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he, I don't think he actually wrote um, Valerie on the Stairs. At least not the, the teleplay. But right. it was his, his story that got me. Mick Garris directed that for Masters of War. Right, right. Um, which is really good. It has Christopher Lloyd in it. I want to check that out, too. But, but yeah. Uh, any other thoughts? Um, I I think I've I think I've padded out our runtime enough. Right. Yeah, um, I can't think anything. Like, yeah. uh, I, I wish this movie would have had more for me to sink my teeth into. Um, mm. Kind of a little disappointed, but yeah. by, by it to be honest, I'm kind of I'm shocked as hell. You had never seen it before. It just seems like the well, type of thing that, you would have caught yeah, on just late night cable. Never caught it. Yeah. 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 Hot clips, and that was that was it until the Blu-ray came out, and then I got the Blu-ray and put it on the shelf in my to-do pile, yeah. and it never left it. You know, totally, totally. What my uh, my I recently picked up. Um, I'd seen it before, but uh, mm-hmm. 
I picked up Kingdom Hospital. Um, right. And I, I had every intention of watching it. And I haven't. Uh, it's just sitting on a shelf right. right now. And it's like, you know, I really kind of want to do it. But even though I know it's not that good, I, I still want to give it another go. But but yeah, that to-do pile is uh, yeah daunting. Usually is. Yeah. Get a cut. You get up. Get a title and you're like, I'm probably gonna watch this, and then it's right. like, eh, eventually. Yeah, my my to watch pile has turned into several to watch piles, so it's just it's, right. it's just sad, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm really just always I'm always a little bit surprised when, uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you that when you when one of us hasn't seen something, and right? We're like, yeah. Wow, really? Like, right? Okay. Like I just would have assumed you would have like Diary of the Dead uh, a couple of weeks right. ago, and I was kind of like you were like, oh, you've never seen Diary of the Dead, and I'm like, no, um, yeah, right. I get, but yeah, it's kind of surprising when uh, something like that pops up, and you're this like, is definitely better than Diary of the Dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent better. Well, yeah, Ride Red, Ride Rex is at least watchable. I yeah, mean, like this movie doesn't make me like it's, hate. It's anything. fun. It's watchable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's dull. Right. But it's not, uh, it's certainly not a bad movie, I don't think. It's not like I would, you know, right? It's probably like, you know, two stars, two and a half stars. It's not that bad. But I mean, like, Barry the Dead was a absolute chore. Yeah. Right. Like, that was, that was hard. That was hard. I work. never, I never got a chance to ask you, like, did you think that was better or worse than uh, Survival of the Dead? Or, uh, I haven't seen Survival in oh. such a long time. Right. I was gonna um, say, if you haven't seen it, then I'm not going to make you watch I that. saw it. I saw Survival of the Dead, right? But I don't remember, and I remember thinking Survival of the Dead was pretty bad. But I don't remember like hating life while I was watching it. And right. Diary of the Dead was a hard movie to watch. Like I yeah. couldn't even believe how. Um, and the idea that that was like that that's one of the greatest of all time, right? Making that movie, and I'm like, how? How did that yeah. happen? Like you know, imagine uh, how I felt in the theater watching it. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, and I dragged uh, I dragged Jed along to it because you know. So it's George oh, yeah. Romero, you know. George Romero, right. another Living Dead movie. Of course, of course, you're gonna right. go to that. Yeah, no, it's it was that was a hard movie to get through. Um, and like nobody could act. No. Uh, nobody could. You know, the The dialogue was just, and it's got actors in it. Like, yeah. which is the weird part. Like, yeah, yeah, that one was hard. That was a hard yeah. watch, and uh, and yeah, it was very difficult. But yeah, it's um, yeah, bad dialogue. Like you know, right. bad writing. Like a, that that uh, that narration mm. is the worst I've ever heard. Right. I was like, oh my god. Um, and they get characters that don't make any sense. And like the one character I think I would have liked, they kill him off right after they introduce him. Just the Amish guy who can't. Right. Talk. Right. And they kill that guy off, and I go, oh well, so much for having yeah. an interesting character in this movie. <laughs> Sorry, like, Samuel. I, you know, we, we liked you for the two minutes you were there. You know? Yeah, I think that would have been a great character to have around right. for a while. But yeah, I mean, it was like he would have been interesting. But uh, no, yeah, I'll never forgive you for that. That was that no. was that was difficult. Yeah, it was like not the sort of things friends do to friends. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you make me watch Diary of the Dead? Uh, but no, I mean, it was it was a really bad movie. Yeah, right. I mean. But yeah, I think it's probably Diary that's probably worse than Land or Survival, rather. Right. Um, but I haven't seen Survival in such a long time; it's hard to tell for sure. But I don't remember. I remember mostly being bored with Survival right. of the Dead. I don't remember actively being like, "What the hell is this?" With Survival of the Dead, but, but yeah, that was a tough. That was tough. Survival, uh, uh, Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? 
No, I think that, I think we've covered more than more, more than, than the movie. Yeah, <laughs> at least we stayed mostly on topic. It was mostly yeah. still about Clive, you right. know, Clive Barker. You know, so that's you know, that's important. I, I but, look forward to the other movies we have this month because I, I think they're much more interesting. Have you seen all of those? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what we got next week? We got uh, uh, Lord, Lord of Illusions, Illusions next week. Right. Okay. Yeah, that will be. Uh, That'll be interesting. I think uh, I think you're kind of into that movie, and I'm not, so it'll be right. interesting to talk about. Um, but um, I, uh, I I have I used to be feelings. really into that movie. Like I used to love that movie. Like now yeah. I'm just like I'm like I'm still into the movie, but like I'm like okay, I see the flaws, you know. Yeah, it's 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 I it it's been so long since I've seen it, so I'm looking forward to checking it out again. Right. But I I do remember uh. How uh, it, when I watched it as an adult, I think we were seeing how seeing some intriguing ideas and then and, but right. not seeing it fall through. I have a complicated, uh, complicated relationship with Clive Barker as a filmmaker. Um, right. and we'll maybe we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, once yeah. we're actually watching something he made, um, right. you know, this was obviously a screenplay he wrote that I think was probably rewritten without his involvement, but right, um. But yeah, uh, so that'll be fun. That'll be a fun conversation, Lord of Illusions. Um, but with that, then I will uh, say uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, uh, we remind you to keep it positive, keep it constructive, love yourself, love your fellow horror fans, um, and uh, remain safe uh, out there in a uh, unsafe world. And um, I will add this week, uh, support trans rights. Yes, always, um, every week. Yeah. Um yeah, they're under a whole lot of attack and um and we should be protecting them as best we can. So um just wanted to kind of put that out there and um especially as we get into Clyde Barker month, I mean we're gonna we're gonna probably be clumsy about it, but it's it's right. Uh LGBTQ issues are at the heart of a lot of Clive's work. So right. um it'll we'll probably clumsily work with in it our, but in our in our straight white by, by you way, know straight uh, straight old white male way right. where uh where we're well-meaning but we have no idea what we're talking about but right. um but yeah so just keep it uh keep it constructive keep it positive um love yourself love your fellow horror fans and uh thank you very much good night and namaste. <laughs>